You're listening to WALT. Homegrown. Homemade radio. You're listening to Fisher Family Ghosts. A companion podcast for the HBO series Six Feet Under. I'm Sam Dingman. I'm Adrian Bain. Well, Adrian, here we are again. Yet again. Together. As always. As we have been. For 10 months. For so much time. Oh my God, I've only seen your face. Like, actually. Lucky you. That's a subjective opinion. I hold that opinion. <laughs> as long as one of us does, I suppose. <laughs> um, Adrian Bain, break it down for me. What? Where do things stand? The last one started with the porn star who got electrocuted by her cat, which I think is probably the most absurd one that we've seen so far. And so much happened. I think it was the best mother-daughter Ruth one, Ruth and Claire so far. They bonded. They saw how ridiculous their cousins are, and they were like, we may not be close, but at least we're not them. At least we're not them. At least we're not them, which I think we all have family like that. Do you feel like there's anyone in your family, two people, a group? Could I make this any more convoluted? Do you feel like there are any groups of two? I believe you can. I believe in you. Okay. When in the course of human events... <laughs> Consider the daffodil. <laughs> That's what Jessica was named for bull, bulldog. Daffodil? Yeah. I think that's a phenomenal name for it, for a bulldog. You call it Daffy. You just little, no, she's a grumpy little, you know, pugnacious bulldog. I know, but, but, but. Beautiful yet aggressive, which is exactly what my sister is. She's going to love that. Um, listeners, you'll be glad to know that Jessica is threatening to start a takedown podcast <laughs> to this podcast. Yep. Okay, Adrian Bain. Mm-hmm. So last week, mm-hmm. a lot of big stuff happened. Big stuff. Nate got the keys to the castle. To Castle Brenda. Mm-hmm. He's been going in the back door. But now he's got the front door entrance. I see what you did there. I don't know if they do anal, though. Whatever they're doing, it does seem like Brenda's the one calling the shots, though, as we oh, talked yeah. about uh, on a previous introduction. But I don't know if she would, like, be into anal because she likes anal or she likes the idea that she's freaky. Ah, uh, that's very interesting. Yeah. I'm now trying to remember if this exact subplot comes up later in the show. I don't <laughs> think it does, but if it does and I forgot about it, I'm not going to be, like, surprised. Okay. Okay, so, right. So, Nate and Brenda couple, Keith and David uncouple, un-couple after David, like, proudly is like, I'm with Keith. It's I'm very confused. I'm a little bit like, Keith, are you with him or are you not? Well, you know? this is what I wanted to ask you about Keith. Something that I had forgotten about Keith, something that I had forgotten about my catchphrase on this show, something I forgot about Keith is he's kind of a relationship perfectionist. He's not much of a compromiser. He wants David to, I mean, I know he's making some compromises in that it took five episodes for, and however much time in show that adds up to for David to reveal to anyone in his family who Keith is to him. But 
I also feel like Keith is not really willing to give David very much ground. He wants David all in. But also, like, I think that's a little unfair for us to say from a heterosexual perspective in the 2020s because mm, fair. being gay in the early 2000s, post-massive HIV-AIDS epidemic, like, being proud wasn't the same as it was today. And I, I can't even speak to it because I am a heterosexual woman and Keith is so ready to be like, I'm out and I'm proud. I don't give a fuck, you know? And, right. like, he gets harassment on the daily and david seems to want a relationship so keith is like if you want this you have to be all in yeah you know like i don't think david is being wishy-washy about keith i think he's being wishy-washy about like his sexuality and i think that they're just kind of at two different points right now those are all really good points and i feel like keith is doing this thing where he tries to live in a post stigma world like he his attitude a lot of times seems to be i'm already over this why aren't you a little bit and that is always a brave way to live when you occupy identities that are stigmatized but it was particularly it was way more brave in 2001 but he really wants david to be that he really wants david to be that person and david's just not that person there's clearly something very significant for David about taking on this role that his father used to occupy right. in the church. But I also think David likes the feeling that he's getting away with something that the church doesn't know about. That he's he has convinced them of his devoutness so completely that they don't think to wonder about his sexuality. Right. I think he likes that he's getting away with that. I think so, too. Which is very different than what Keith is doing. Keith's not trying to get away with anything. He, Keith wants the world to know who he is and accept him exactly as such. Yeah. A dynamic difference between our two heroes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're about to watch episode six, which is called The Room. Are we watching the Tommy Wiseau cult classic? Oh, hi, Adrian. Oh, hi. Sam. No, I'm sad to say that we are not. But here's what I want you to do, Adrian Bain, mm-hmm. if you would be so kind. This episode, The Room, mm-hmm. I know my catchphrase is, I don't remember anything that ever happened in Six Feet Under, even though it's my favorite show. But this episode contains, if I'm not mistaken, my favorite scene, <gasps> possibly from the entire show. Oh, my God. And I want to see, if, as we're watching it, if you can guess what that scene Yo, is. Yo, I'm so about this. We've spent so much time with each other. I feel like I can guess. I feel like I can do it. I think I'm up for the challenge. This is a huge test. Is it going to be when people are sad? Obviously. Okay. All right, here we go. Episode six, The, the room. room. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. Is it so wrong to want a little human contact? You're lonely too, I can tell. For Christ's sake, Tracy, 
What does it take? No. Oh my god, I can't believe he died at the end. Yeah. Oh my god, he died of a broken heart. Yeah. I love those stories. Where like two people like can't. Whoo! Tears came on real fast. Do you know the story of Annie Oakley? No. Annie Oakley and Frank Butler were, you know, like Annie Oakley, she's this like podunk girl who like kind of wins this competition when a circus comes to town and like Frank Butler, who's like this, you know, wearing a three-piece suit shooting, you know, they're shooting like clay pigeons or something. Um, This is Annie Oakley, like Annie Get Your Gun? Yeah, like Annie, like the real lady. Um, she... I didn't know it was based on a true story. It is based on a true story. I didn't realize that. And they fell in love and they, like, toured the world together and he, like, really respected her. I was like, he's like, she's better. Is that the is that the musical where they where she sings anything you can do? I, I can, can do, do better. better. Yeah. Got it. I think they make their relationship a little bit more. But anyways, in real life, they're married for, like, you know, years, and she passes away, and he dies, I think, within, like, 20 days, mm. and they say he died of a broken heart. He was, he couldn't go on. Hmm. Oh, my God, those stories literally tear me to pieces. So, oh, the ending. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's always when, like, the woman dies first. Oh, my God, I can't do this. <laughs> I think it goes, I think it like goes back to the like the male loneliness thing, like seeing a man like love, like really love. Oh, yeah. He loves her. Oh, my God. (laughs) Completely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. What an episode. Because also, like, it was just such a one of like longing and just like wanting. Yeah. Between Claire and the brother, mm-hmm. which, like, we knew that was a hot mess. We know that he's a hot mess. Mm-hmm. But Claire, like, really wants it. Like, she really wants, she's, like, seeing all of these guys who seem to ostensibly respect her for her intelligence and her mm-hmm. personality, which, like, she totally does. But they're, like, still too, you know, immature or whatever to deal with it. And then there's Ruth being kissed by the Russian florist and Mr. Jones calling it out and being like, lady, you need to get laid. Like, (laughs) come on. I fucking loved that. I loved that. And, like, David seemed to, like, really, like, finally telling this woman who wants him, like, fuck off. And her reaction is so vulnerable of, like... Is it so bad to want connection? Yeah. Oh, my God. This was a episode twas well and they really found their stride with the exception there's one creative decision i didn't like and i was like oh you were so close tell me i didn't like the music at the end that was weird done music that was weird i don't know why they did that and it was very (laughs) on the nose the chorus was let's go out tonight yeah it's too on the nose it was very on the nose but i do think it was interesting i mean your point is so apt that it was an episode about people just longing for connection. I wonder if we'll ever feel that. (laughs) There she is. (laughs) 
Check the clock. Those of you keeping score at home, which I would like to think you're doing. That was the longest uninterrupted stretch of Adrian's sincerity on the podcast so far. It's only because- And I was just sitting over here biting my tongue. Oh my God. Biting my tongue. Only because it got, my Achilles, my emotional Achilles heel got hit. (laughs) And that's when men show like deep affection. Yeah. Well- I think it's interesting your point. I just want to say that's not any weird psychological stuff. Like, I have a wonderful father who, like, loves us very deeply and openly. Yes. So and and says so. I, and... I truly have no idea where this comes from because it doesn't come from, like, family experience. Sure. Well, we've got, like, Ugh. 55 episodes left to figure it out. Great. <laughs> Great. Great. Because not even my therapist can crack that one. So. We will find your wound. <laughs> oh, my God. Um. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm so tired. Keep going. You're... That is... That is your catchphrase. <laughs> um, in this episode that, as you say, is all about longing for connection, I love that the the mystery at the center of it is this room where Nate Sr. Ugh. went to be by himself. So to do a thing that we have been doing with somewhat more diligence recently and to start with the part of the story that affected you so deeply... I was trying to think this time, okay, what's the deal with Mr. Jones? What's, why are we talking about him? Why are we focusing? But something is happening and I don't know what it is. Oh, do do you, you, Mr. Jones? I thought you were going for uh, Mr. Jones and me tell each other fairy tales. I don't know that one. And everybody knows Counting Crows. Oh, my God. My, like, 90s self is really ashamed that I don't recognize it right now. It's okay. Remember when you recently found out that I am a secret fish head? Can we not do this right now? I'm a way bigger secret Counting Crows head. And now you know the secret, as does everybody listening. Also, I'm not ashamed of it. After this, we're going to talk about revealing secrets on the podcast (laughs) because I am way too fragile right now. I know. I figured this was my moment. <laughs> Confess your love for the Counting Crows right now. This is the only chance you're going to get. So my thing with right. Mr. Jones mm-hmm. is he's the inverse of Nathaniel Sr. How? Whereas Nathaniel Sr. retreats into this room, wants seems to want to go to a place where he can just be by himself and doesn't have to take anybody else's needs or personalities into consideration. He can just exist autonomously. Yeah. Mr. Jones, his entire life was his wife. Yeah. We don't have any indication that they had children. Right. We don't have any indication. We have, I guess, one indication at the end that they had friends who come for the viewing. Right. Their lives were so intertwined and meshed, maybe, and defined by each other. And oh my god, this episode is a mirror. That's exactly what Nathaniel Senior seems to have been trying to escape when he would go to his secret room. Okay, let's let's jump back to the beginning. Oh my god, make our way through, mm-hmm. starting from the scene where Nate is reading Charlotte Light and Dark. Brenda's in the background trying to chat him up. He's not paying attention. Right. She gets offended. She says, "Don't read that in front of me." Yeah. He says, "You gave it to me." And I thought in that moment, that's a good point, Nate. She wants you to read it. 
Just not in front of her. Just not in front of her. But I do, I do feel like that was a moment where she she was seen a little more clearly than she wanted to be. Probably. So wait, is the premise of the book? She is like this little experiment that people would like talk to, like psychologists and stuff would just talk to her. That and one she, in particular. Yeah. And she would be like. Who I believe was a friend of her parents. Right. And she would just like act weird because she's like, why the fuck are people doing this? And like it's a rallying cry for misunderstood girls. That's what we seem to learn from Claire okay. in this episode. Um, which at first really puts Brenda off, but by the end of the episode, they're I know, they're like little buds. Mm-hmm. I fucking saw that. I was like, Claire probably thinks that Brenda's a badass. You said in this episode, okay, I think I love Brenda now. Yeah, I do. What she, changed? Okay, I think she showed more of her compassionate side. I think more of her mm-hmm. guard was down. And she had this moment of like, I don't have to build walls right now. Like, I can help other people out. Mm-hmm. And like a little, I think the only moment where it was a little psychotherapy was when she was sitting next to Mr. Jones, but I think he needed that in that moment. Mm-hmm. I loved that. And and she was willing to listen to him. Oh, yeah. In a way that she is often not with Nate, at least in episodes prior to this one. Totally. And I think that it was a really awesome move that she... Like, reached out to Claire and was like, look at my brother is, like, not healthy. Mm-hmm. So I really respected her in that realm where she was up front with Claire and being like, don't, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she softened. She just wasn't, like, overbearing. So what do you think accounts for that? Because... I think because now, like, Nate is literally reading her like a book, you know, like... <laughs> So, yeah, I think that Brenda just let her guard down more. Because she feels confident around Nate, do you think? Yeah, because I think she's like, all right, Nate sees my full weirdness. Mm -hmm. He's not threatened by my intelligence. He has the literal and figurative keys. Yeah. I think she doesn't think she has to be that way anymore. Because she's like, all right, all my cards are on the table, which is something that they were flipping through, you know. Right, there were literal cards on the table. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's like when Nate goes running through the cemetery in the pilot. I think that the card, honestly, I loved that that moment was a little Nathaniel Senior's cards are on the table. Exactly. His cards are on the table. But I didn't, I actually thought that was very well put. Because not only that, like you kind of see this last. You mean in this episode you thought it was In this episode, I liked the cards because you see this last moment that this guy had and he's just playing fucking solitaire. Playing solitaire. And it's not sad. I think the other thing I appreciate from Brenda is like, I think a lot of people would think like, oh, that is sad. I totally am in allegiance with her where I don't think that having your own room is sad. If I had my own room all to myself where no one would walk in, I that's literal heaven to me. Well, Nate said, noted. Uh, well, Nate <laughs> says... <laughs> <laughs> like if I could just wake up one morning and like not have n- anyone next to me, that'd be amazing. I I don't see that happening for the foreseeable future. <laughs> I know. So Nate says in the pilot something like, "Jesus Christ, is it possible for me to have even one single second to myself?" And then Claire breaks down, and he's like, "Okay, okay." In the grocery store, he's like, "What can I do? Totally, what can I do?" Totally. And it seems like this is the room where his dad went when he f- was feeling like. Okay, it's not going to happen for me. 
at home yeah. or I need at work, which is also home. I need a place to go. Exactly. His work and home are so intertwined with each other. And he is carrying so much emotional and often sometimes people's physical bodies. Yeah. You know, so like he is in every sense of the word carrying a lot. So he carries their literal and figurative weight. Chef's kiss. Mm. So I can totally understand that he it even says in this little it's also interesting that this episode we didn't have the inner monologue or the inner conversation happening between a deceased Yes. Client, patient, person? I don't know what the Client? Yeah, I guess. No, you're not a client if you're dead. That's true. The family's the client. mm, You're not the client. Yeah, you're not the client. So yeah, so this one, it was like direct contact with an alive human, which is Mr. Jones. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, we don't know anything about the wife except through Mr. Jones. Exactly. But we do get that inner monologue conversation with uh, with Nate Sr. a lot. So I'm curious, yeah. are they just like hopscotching between who they want to do that? Because also it happened with Nate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More so than, we didn't get any of David's That's true. Life. David's the one who usually talks to Wait, also, the dead people. I can't believe that David is also Dexter. Yes, listeners. I... Like, blew Adrian's at, mind. Just want to look at a photo. In the scene where David was getting blown. <laughs> well, because I was like. I said. Because I said. You said David has serial killer vibes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, if David wasn't so nice, he kind of has serial killer vibes. And you're like, LOL. Okay. So um, going back to the scene where Nate is reading Charlotte Light and Dark, mm. we see a flashback of. Brenda, ostensibly young Brenda, in the office with the psychiatrist, trying, like, kind of toying with the psychiatrist's interpretation of her. Here's my question. Do you think that the show means us to believe that is actually Brenda? Or do you think the show means us to believe that is Nate's perception of Brenda as a girl in the psychologist's office? I'm going to go one level deeper. Do it. Because it's not Brenda's firsthand account. It is a psychologist's interpretation of a child. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. it is then written, edited by other people who are adults. And then read by someone who fucks her 20 plus years later. So... There's a lot of layers there. So you think that's us seeing Brenda through the psychologist's eyes? Yes. Not necessarily Brenda through no, Nate's no. eyes. I think it's Brenda through the psychologist's eyes, through Nate's eyes. Uh-huh, I'm inception uh-huh. level deep. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that makes me want to talk about the scene. Keep going. What was that? Nothing. Keep going. Get out your Adrian Bain sincerity meters, folks. I'm so vulnerable right now. (laughs) The scene where Nate is talking to his father in the room, Mm -hmm. the eponymous room. I think that there's a lot to talk about in that scene. I think among the many things that happened in that scene is I think it proved our suspicion from a previous discussion that what's going on when you see Nate Sr. is 
It's the characters talking to themselves. And here's why I think that scene really confirms that. Because in the imagined sequence, Nate is sitting in the chair, passing the joint back and forth with his father, who's sitting on the couch. And then when we see Nate wake up from that imagined exchange, Nate is on the couch. And he looks over and the chair is empty. So it, he was having a, a conversation with himself. Totally. That's verging on frat bro has a thought. But. <laughs> I think you're smart. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, babe. Um, I do also think that that's known because all of the questions that Nate asks, Nate Sr., never gives him a straight answer. You can kind of hear how like his Nate Sr.'s dialogue is just Nate kind of going through different explanations. Mm-hmm. I think it's very much Nate Jr. having a conversation with himself. Yes, very much so. Very much so. So um tell me if you remember this. One of the things I actually really like about Six Feet Under is that it doesn't do establishing shots. You you never see exterior coffee shop cars driving by cut to characters in the coffee shop having a conversation right this show never does that but there was one shot in this that didn't have any characters in it it wasn't necessarily an establishing shot but i don't know what to make of it it's after mr jones comes and bangs on the door and claire lets him in and he kind of forces his way past her and says he wants to go see his wife It cuts to a little image of two ceramic cherubs. I'm answering my own question as we're talking about it. It cuts to a little image of two ceramic cherubs, and then it cuts to the pendulum of a clock. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Brenda walks through the door. Because I think that's like a time lapse. I think that's kind of saying, like, we've been here for a minute. There wasn't, like, Mr. Jones knocked in. Oh, right. And then... Ten minutes later, Brenda walked in. Like, he's been holding Claire's hand for, like, an hour. Okay, fair. Fair. That's true. The thing that I also thought of as I was saying those words, based on the conversation we've just been having about Mr. Jones and his wife, is that... Mrs. Jones! They are, in a way, these two beautiful, innocent cherubs... Taken away by time. Taken away by time it's a good show it's a good episode it's a it's a good (laughs) you're like i don't know if i'll give you show but i'll give you episode it's a good episode this was the first one where i was like oh my god also if we're speaking about couples aged by time can we talk about ruth's nudes and her being like oh my god i was such a baby and then she said something about like something about change she was like it's a crime but it's amazing how much we change over our lives. Yeah. yeah, something like that. And I was like, oh, Ruth. I don't know. I loved those nudes. I thought that was so. What did you love I about loved it? I loved it. This is what I think it is. Okay. Being a woman mm-hmm. in the patriarchal society, we are constantly subjected to the male gaze. Mm-hmm. And there's times where we want it. There's times where it's like, I'm fucking hot right now, and I want someone who I want to also see that. 
And in that photo is Ruth saying, I'm fucking hot right now. And she gets the pleasure of the person who witnesses that beauty to be the person she also wants to fuck. Mm. It's rare. But it's like, it's the best feeling. I think that's what it is. It could be more. But in this moment, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So I just loved that for her. I just, and I think I just wanted like a funner Ruth. I wanted, Mm -hmm. I wanted her to feel alive again. And I don't think she had really been living, which is fine because her husband just died, you know, of God only knows how many years. And Ruth really comes alive in this episode. She really comes alive. Okay, riddle me this though. What do you make of the fact that that was a core part of Ruth's story was the discovery of these old photos mm-hmm. that Nathaniel Sr. took to remember her by. In this same episode, Billy takes that creep shot of him and Claire and the creep shots of her walking out of school. But after he takes the creep shot of them on the couch. He's like, I got what I wanted. Right, but he also says something to remember me by. I know. Why do you think they, what do you think they were going for there? Oh, that's really good. I didn't put that together. But I also think that like there's such a difference between their relationships and the photos. Like the photos are indicative of what the relationship is. Oh, that's interesting. Because the photo is just like of Billy on Claire. It's just like him getting what he wants, him getting what he wants. And then he get he like, Touches a boob. Oh, my God. But he's also clearly, like, grabbing her without her yeah. consent. Yeah, no, absolutely. And she's, like, not comfortable by it. But... And I think he's even looking at the camera. But I think that shows, like, the... I don't know. It's just the difference between the I dynamics. Guess in a way, they're an illustration of the point that you were... That Ruth makes at the end of it's it's amazing how much we change. Right. Claire might look back and be like, oh my... Like, she might see those where she's lying down and be like, oh my God, what a baby. Right. And, but also that there's there's such a huge di- difference between the person you think you are when the photo's being taken. That's so true. And what your future... <sighs> oh, that's so true. ...actually holds. Oh, can I talk about one detail that I loved mm-hmm. and one detail that I thought was pretty lame. Mm -hmm. I loved in the room that when Nate goes to play the record, it's warped. Because, yes, you can see when it starts to spin that it's not spinning in a smooth straight line. It's it's wobbling, which is indicative of the fact that it's old. It's been sitting there in the humidity for a long time. It's just such a good, it was just a very real, specific detail about how long it's been sitting there. A detail that I thought was incredibly tin-eared, whatever the visual, what's the visual equivalent of tin-eared or ham-fisted? Misguided. Squinty? Squinty is when Brenda is exasperated with Billy when he starts flirting with Claire in the scene where... Claire meets Billy. Brenda's like, ugh, I need a beer. And she goes to the fridge and she opens the fridge and she takes out a beer. And on the neck of the bottle, the label says beer. Oh, does it? Yeah. I didn't notice that. I just thought it was sloppy prop design. 
And we don't, and it seemed like it was intended to underscore the fact that like, Brenda just doesn't care right now. She's having a beer. She's had enough of Billy's antics. He's driven her to drink. It's like, we know it's a beer. Like we know you're dramatic. (laughs) Well, now we do. (laughs) Okay. Adrian Bain. Mm Mm-hmm. Can you guess which was my favorite scene? Okay, I'm really struggling with this one. Can I can I do like a 20 questions thing? Sure. Is Mr. Jones in the scene? No, he is not. Okay, okay, that narrows it down. Is it in the room? Yes. Okay, okay, okay. So let me think for a second. There's just Nate alone in the room? I'm going to... It's it's just all the room scenes. It's just all the room scenes. In my memory, I had elided them all into one scene. <laughs> oh, okay. Because um, I had a feeling it was the room, but I was like, wait, which one? I felt like it was the one where he was talking to... The ones that I was struggling between, it was when Nate is talking to himself, Dash's dad, and the one that Brenda is there. I, I don't want to give myself credit for, yes, it was the fact that in that one scene, he imagines his father there, and at first he imagines him there under totally unremarkable circumstances, and then it gradually gets more extreme that he's hanging out with bikers, and then he's there with a prostitute, and then he's shooting a machine gun out the window, and it's this escalation of his paranoia about the fact that he doesn't know who his father was. I didn't remember any of that. Mm. I just remember that Nate discovered this secret room because it reminded me of that memory that I was talking about on, I think it was our third episode about finding that legal pad of my dad's and realizing, oh, there's more here. And for anyone who's interested in this, I don't know how many of you are, when I talk about how Six Feet Under was a huge source of inspiration for family ghosts, that's the scene I'm talking about. That to me, that scene and what happens in that room, I remember thinking, I want to know this story in every single family, especially my own so that's why it's my favorite scene okay last thing adrian bain tim dingman will you please for the good people listening sing the song you made up with the words that go along with the beat at the gay club (laughs) no no please will you sing? no what is it (laughs) i don't even know i was just I'll tell you what, I'll start singing it the way I remember it, and you chime in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go in there. Kiss the boys. Make out with them. Get it. Get it. I think I was like, kiss them, kiss them, kiss them, kiss them. Take them by the hip. Take them by the hip. Take them by the hip. Kiss them. Kiss them. I love you, too. Gross. There she is. That's my girl. Not mine in a possessive way constantly avoidant of affection and or commitment you know this quarantine you like this this relationship is just a quarantine convenience and we're out of time <laughs> like the cherub clock time ticks on if you have enjoyed what you have heard here on the Fisher Family Ghost podcast we ask you Please show your love. Show your love. Via a review. It's so easy. In the Apple Podcast directory. Mm-hmm. Takes but a moment of your time. Mm-hmm. And it would mean very much to us. Also, 
If you have thoughts on anything that we have discussed that you would like to share with us directly, perhaps have them shared on the show. They will totally be shared on the show. Please email us. We'll give you a shout out. FFG at W-A-L-T dot F-M. Before we say farewell, Adrian Bain, would you like to tell the good people about another podcast that you create with loving care, passion, and ingenuity? Yes. I am the host of a Strangers Abroad podcast. It is a narrative travel podcast, which is something we cannot do right now. If you would like to listen to some travel stories, because we cannot travel right now, but we can tell stories, please check it out. And if you would like to hear a storytelling show where the goal is to tell the equivalent of the room scene in real-life families, please listen to my show, Family Ghosts. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.